Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to be back with you this Sunday morning. It is good to be here with you. I hope you guys are excited to be here. Anybody happy to be here this morning? That's what we like to hear, some people that are happy to be here. Um, it is so good to be back with you. Uh, I've been away for a few weeks. Um, I want you to know that I certainly enjoy being here with you. We were gone, um, I guess, on a little bit of a vacation, a little bit of a trip to... Uh, to marry a, um, a nephew of mine, and then some weeks right in the middle of that and all that good stuff. But anyway, I am, I am so thankful to be back here with you. And kicking off this series, as, uh, as Pastor Jeff mentioned right there, kicking off this series called Open House. Um, I don't know if any of you have sold a house recently. If you are in the process of selling or buying a house, right now the market was super hot for the last couple of months, and maybe still so. Is that correct? All right, two of you. I know you guys moved. Huh? Oh, there you go. All right, two, two of you. Um, just taking a look at um, open houses in, a, in the market, I, I was reminded, my sister, I have a sister that sold a house this summer. Hers sold in like three, uh, three or four days, something like that. The neighbor across the street from us, her house sold, and I, I, it was the same thing, three or four, maybe five days. And not only did it sell, she sold it for roughly 15000 more than what she was asking. That's Johnson City. Are you aware that doesn't happen in Johnson City? All right. And, and yeah, I mean, we believe that our house is still the same value as to what it was about 15 years ago when we bought it. Um, that, that, that's, but, but that's life right now. Open houses, you do an open house because you want to show off the house. You want people to come and see what is inside the house. You want them to feel free to wander through, open the closet. Oop, not that one. That's got all our trash in it, right? You want them to wander through and look in the closets, look at the cupboards, see if, the, see if it's something that they are interested, something that they want to buy, right? And as they come and as they look through that house, they're going to make a determination. Do we want to place an offer? Do we want to make it low? Do we want to make it high? What do we want to do? Here as a church, we are calling this series Open House because we want to pull back the curtain. We want you to come in. We want you to see what it is that Bridgewater does. What is it that Bridgewater does that makes Bridgewater Bridgewater? All right, what is the mission of our church, if you want to say it that way? And by the way, as we take a look at our mission this morning of our church, you are going to see that this mission, the, the mission really should be the same across the board for almost all churches. As a matter of fact, all churches will pull their mission more than likely from the passage that we are looking at this morning. But when you have a mission, it's going to be that this is what we are, this is what we are looking to accomplish. This is what we want to do. And, and even more so this morning, we're going to break it down to the one thing that we want to do and want to do well. So in your life, what is, what is one thing that you, has there ever been, let me rephrase it this way, has there ever been a time in your life where you have been called to do one thing? Look, right here's the one thing we want you to do. Get this done and it will be a success. Parents, you understand this. This is what we want you to do, little Johnny. And little Johnny does what? The opposite. Correct. However, in our lives, all right, sometimes, sometimes, because when we were children, that was never the case. We always did exactly what... Anyway, anyway, there may be a moment in your life where you were expected, where you were asked to do one thing, and for one reason or another, you blew it. You missed it. I don't know what it was. Um, my, my first real job, 
other than mowing lawns and stuff like that, was working at Chi-Chi's. Anybody here a fan of Chi-Chi's? I mean, it used to be here in the area. I'm not the one that put it out of business, by the way, so it's not going there, all right? I didn't do that, all right? But Chi-Chi's, um, I, I had a job one, one morning. They had gotten a brand, new, um, a brand new recipe book, and the brand new recipe book was indestructible. And one of the great things about things being indestructible is um, when you have to say that, it's probably destructible. Um, literally, I, it was the first week of having this new book, and it was probably my first day working in prepping the food there. And I had the indestructible recipe book right where we always kept the destructible recipe book on top of the steamer. I'm not certain if you're aware, but when you pop a steamer and the steam blows, it melts indestructible recipe books. I had one job to do. It was to fix the food. Um, and the recipe book wasn't in good shape anymore. Anyway, anyway, I digress. I, I've recovered pretty much. I, I think I'm okay. All right. Um, I mean, Chi-Chi's did go out of business, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't my fault. Anyway, one job. I, I, I recover because you know what? These pictures right here that I'm going to show show this case that other people occasionally get a job wrong. Take a look right here. Um, yeah, I think they had one job to do. Um, continuing on. What's our next one? Long yellow things, all right? Long yellow things. Uh, I forgot the name of them. Uh, that, exactly. We know what it is. There you go. Um, how about this one? It's all right. I think it's an easy fix. Um, there, there you go. It was probably the Garrison or Smith kids that just pulled it out and reversed it and put it in there, right? Something like that. Um, how about the next one here? Someone that was well-educated did that one. All right, uh, here we go. Right, you like that? We're doing a, they're doing a good job, right? They got it all done there. And um, how about our kids' books? Have you ever wanted to write a kids' book? Again, those bananas just seem to mess us up. Long yellow things are hard to count as well. Um, any of you truck drivers? If you're a truck driver, close your eyes. You don't want to see this one. That, that probably is. It probably is right here in Binghamton. But just, just remember, there are no shortcuts there. And uh, finally, I have one more. It's a video that I want you to watch, and uh, we'll see if we can get this up here going and everything like that. But this just reminds me of one of my, one of my favorite commercials from a number of years ago. And it's, it's, just, it's just another opportunity to show that when you have one job, sometimes we just don't get it right. Hey, that's great. But who are the chefs? Not going anywhere for a while? Great googly moogly. Grab a Snickers. You spell it. Yeah. Great, oogly moogly, and um, and since I'm going to advertise Snickers, I've got to at least provide Snickers every once in a while, right? Um, one of my favorite Mets fans is back in town, so I got to test her out again. And there we go, we're two for two. And you wanted to have one. Um, there, there we go. Don't worry, we have more for everybody at the end of the morning here as well. So if you would, uh, if you uh, if you like Snickers. Um, 
you're going to be here for a while. So you're going to have to think about this. Call out in the middle and I'll toss you out my last two. But I'm keeping these here for me just in case I need a little, I might need a little snack in the middle or something like that, right? Um, but anyway, our open house, this idea that we want you to be aware of, there is something that we are called to do. As a church, as a church of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, there is something that we are called to do. What is that one thing that we are called to do? What is that one thing that we are pushing forward and trying to do and trying to do well as a church, as a group, as a body of believers? What is it that we are hoping to be a part of and do well? It is see the church grow. You see, Jesus made this statement to his disciples. Matthew 16, they were all around, and he asked them, hey, who is it that men are saying that I am? And they said, ah, they're calling you one of the prophets and different things like this. But Peter stood up, and Peter made this statement here. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked at him and said, Peter, what you have said is true, and I want you to know that it is on that statement, Peter, that I will build my ecclesia, my gathering, all right, my assembly, with a word that we now call church, but it is on those terms, it's on that word, Peter, that you have said that I will build my gathering. And he goes on to say, and the gates of Hades, the gates of death, the gates of destruction, will not, they will not be able to stop it. And that was Jesus. So if Jesus is saying that he will build his church, that he will build his gathering, and the gates of Hades will not prevail, they will not come against it. They will not stop it. Then we want to be a part of it. And we want to be a part of seeing that church continue to grow and move forward and see people strengthened in their faith and their love of Jesus Christ. Well, let's take a look because you see the church, it's not all good news for the church. Even though we would say that the gates of Hades will not prevail, that's not what our average attendance here in the United States would say. Um, the average of church attendance in the United States over the last almost 30 years has been in a continual decline. And if we take a look at some of these numbers right here, there are some numbers that I want you to see. Back in 1992, average church attendance was about 104, all right, here in our country. In 19, excuse me, bump ahead, nine years, 2003, 2003, and it's 90. Jump ahead again 13 years later in 2016, it was down to 75. Um, I stole those numbers from uh, one of my friends. It's a pastor, Dave uh, Whiting. He had put these up and I had taken them from him. But he went on to say as well that not only are those numbers continuing to drop, he, he went on to say that the church, um, that, that the average church today, that there's more church realities that take place in our, in our world right now, and that the average church reaches approximately three people for Christ per year. Three people for Christ per year. Why do we make a big deal about carnations? Why do we make a big deal about baptisms? Um, we make a big deal because, as, as Jeff said, life transformation. That's what we are looking for. We want to see people put their faith, their trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because we believe that God, when Jesus said that the gates of Hades will not prevail against it, he didn't just mean that for 2,000 years ago, but rather he means that still for us today. 
So as we take a look through this passage of Scripture, as we take a look at Matthew, I want you, as a matter of fact, we're going to be taking a look at Matthew chapter 28. I'd encourage you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Um, you can, again, use your phone. Um, if you have version, bring it up on that or whatever it is that you, may be, that you may use that you have your Bible on that. I would encourage you to look at it. We are also going to have it up here on the screen for you as well as we read through that. But I, but I want you to be aware that we are given some instruction, all right? Jesus gives his disciples some instruction that Matthew penned and wrote down for us today. And Matthew, as we take a look at this, I just want you to know, Matthew, as, as we take a look at this gospel, as we take a look at the last verses in this gospel of Matthew, Matthew is writing a book with the intention of letting a group of people, he wants a group of people that were there in that day and that time, he wants them to know, all right, we want you to know that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. Matthew actually wrote his gospel with a little bit of a, a tint, if I want to say it that way, towards the, Jewish, towards the Jewish people. He wanted them to be aware that Jesus fulfilled what was necessary for the Messiah. He wanted them to be aware that Jesus was their Messiah, and they missed it. There were a number of them that missed it. You see, in that day, they were saying, no, 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 he wasn't. He may have been a good prophet. Some may have even said he wasn't a good prophet, you know, but others were just saying things about him, and he was crucified, and at the end, there's, you know, just of his life, eh, we don't like that Jesus guy. But Matthew, one of the 12, one of those disciples that walked with him for probably the three-year time frame that he was on this earth and became a disciple of Jesus, penned these words so that we would know them, so that we would be aware. And in Matthew chapter 28, when we get to these verses, when we get to this passage, all the way down to verse 16, I want you to know that as this passage kicks off, it says, then. And when we see that then there, we're looking back and we're wondering, well, well what's the then? All right. What we have just read in chapter 28 is the story of the resurrection. As a matter of fact, go in and look. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Um, his body was gone. And just in the previous verses, there was a passage where the, where, the, where the guards that were guarding the tomb were told, look, we're going to pay you off to say that his disciples came and stole the body, all right? And that's what happened to him. We don't want anybody to believe that he was really, has really risen from the dead. And that's what Matthew is talking about when he says this then here. And he says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I want, as you see this passage of scripture, I want you to realize that Matthew and our, and our gospel writers are so good at this. They write the story as it is, as it happened. You see, today, or even if you wanted to write it hundreds of years later, as some would suggest, and go back in, wouldn't you write yourself in a little bit as a hero? But they didn't. Matthew was very upfront about what it was. Um, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Do you know what some people would say today? They would reword it like this. Then Joel, along with the 10 other disciples, went to Galilee. Because Joel knew that Jesus had told him to go there, and the other disciples kind of doubted it, but Joel thought that they should go along with him. And Joel said, hey, let me lead you in worshiping him 
Some of the others doubted, but Joel was able to convince them, ah, don't doubt. Look, there he is. It's real true. Right? Um, You might say, no, Joel, we wouldn't really do that. But oftentimes, we like to write ourselves in a little bit better. The disciples never did that. Matthew writes this passage of Scripture, and he's even there willing to say, there are some that still doubted. Think about that. Matthew is writing that there, and he's putting this in the last verses of the book that he is going to give, and he's saying, you know, there are still some that doubted. We were okay with that because there was a Jesus that had risen, and we were going to proclaim that, and we were going to continue to proclaim that. And as he goes on, he goes, Matthew goes on to say, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, giving these final words to his disciples. Matthew, closing out his disciples with this that we have called the Great Commission. And yet if you were to look down through the numbers, as we look through those numbers that I just showed you, it might be the great omission in many of our churches today. It might be something that we put up as our mission statement, something that we want to be about, something that we say that we're about, something that we say we are going to do, but something that, we get, that gets lost in translation somewhere, and we don't become about the Great Commission, but rather we are missing it. So as we look at this, I, and we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture, and I'm just going to go back and take a look at verse, uh, verse 18 again. Because verse 18, Jesus says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth is given to me. When Jesus says this, he is pulling a little bit of the the authority card, I guess if you want to say it, right? Right there. All authority. Do you know what all means in in Greek? I, I uh, I went to seminary. I got up bright and early in the morning to go to Greek to take Greek class, Tuesdays, Thursdays morning, it's Tuesday, Thursday mornings, 6.30 in the morning. I got to tell you, there's nothing more exciting than Greek at 6.30 in the morning for two hours. All right, anybody? Uh, um, it's fun. And you know what I learned? All means all. Yeah, you, Mark knew the same thing. How did you know that? All right, all means all. I went to class and we learned that. It was wonderful. Actually, I say that facetiously. We learned a lot of other things as well, right? But, but anyway, all means all. Jesus is saying, all authority is given to me, all right? And I want you to go, and he's going to tell them that I want you to go and make disciples. But I want to just back it up, and I want you to think about this. What if all authority, what, what are some of the things Jesus could have said to do instead? This is, one that I like to, this is one that I like to joke about, and some of you have probably heard me say it before. A wine store would be a pretty good thing to open, right? You know that whole pouring water into big jars and it turns into wine? That seems like a pretty good business. I think we could make a pretty good profit margin on that. And you know what? We could even help the poor with, the, with some of the profits that we make. That's, that's a good deal. How about the restaurant business? Restaurant business, remember that whole thing about fish and loaves and all that good stuff? You know what? The delivery truck forgot to show up today. That's all right. We got it covered. We're perfectly good. Sit down. We can feed everybody. No problem here. Restaurant business. And again, if you want, we can take the extras and we'll give it to the poor. We'll give it to the needy. That's a good thing to do, right? Um, Even better. Think about this. Hospital, right? 
Hospital, we're going to treat sicknesses, illnesses, disease, whatever it is. We're going to take care of that. That's something good to do, right? As a matter of fact, Jesus, with you as our primary doctor, we're going to do okay with this because you got that whole healing thing down, right? Those are the things that we can think about that we would do. Jesus had something else that he wanted to do. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Why is he going to say make disciples? You see, because Jesus realized that our greatest need wasn't fresh wine to drink. Our greatest need wasn't food. Very important. Our greatest need wasn't um, no illness, curing of all illness, although that's very important in all of our lives as well. He was aware that our greatest need was a savior. Because you see, if I'm well fed and able to take care of everybody around me and still lost in my sin, my end is still an end without Christ, an end without God. You see, if I'm healthy and all my sicknesses, all my affirmities are taken care of, and that is what we certainly like and that is what we certainly pray to God for. But at the end of my life, I don't have a Savior. I'm lost. I die dead in my sins. You see, Jesus realized that there is something important. And he said, look, I am going to give you a mission statement. I am going to give you something that I want you to do. It is that I want you to make disciples of all nations. And that's what we need to be about. Jesus just wants you to do this one thing, make disciples. When it comes to the church, he says, go and make disciples. When he gets his disciples together there at the end, go and make disciples. I want you to be people that are a disciple-making individuals, changing the hearts and minds of men and women, boys and girls, to be those who put their faith, to put their trust and follow me. That's what Jesus was saying to them. In this passage of Scripture, he tells the disciples that they must go, right? Um, he tells them, says to them, to make disciples, you must go. Therefore, go, the passage says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I want you to know that as we look at this passage, um, that make disciples, that is the verb in this whole passage that is taking place here. Um, that is what they are to go and do. All right, there's not, multiple, there's not multiple commands here. There's not multiple things to do. It is the making of disciples that is the primary thrust of the passage. And then it's followed up with three participles of to what they are to be doing. It is basically the idea of, well, you are going. All right, so you are going to make disciples and you are going to make disciples. You are going to do so by going. And how is it that we are going to be going? It's everyday life. You see, some people, they're called to be missionaries in another land. Some people are called to be missionaries in another city, in another town, in another location, in another country, wherever it may be. And we look at them and we say, oh, good, those are the disciple makers. But rather, the command is to each of the apostles, each of the disciples, and it is to us as well to follow this, that we are to be those who make disciples. Well, we are going. That well, we are going is the idea of while well, you're living life. How about with the person next to you? How about with your family members? How about with that person at work? How about with that person down the street? How about with those people that are in our neighborhood, our Jerusalem, so to say, right? Those that are next to us, those that are right here in this area. 
We have a campus here in Conklin. Why? Because we want to reach people in the Conklin area. All right? That is what our desire is to be about. Therefore, when he says that, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. It is the idea that we are making disciples well going. To make disciples, you must be individuals that go. The second thing that he tells us here is this, that in order to make disciples, you must baptize. All right? So if we are going to be individuals that are, that are in the process of making disciples, not only are we going and proclaiming a resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, all right, but we are also in the process of baptizing them. Why are we baptizing them? We are baptizing them, why? As a proclamation that they are followers of Jesus Christ, that they have turned their life, that they have turned the corner, and we are now a follower of Jesus Christ. Again, their life was transformed. Here at Bridgewater, um, at our Conklin campus, we did not have um, the baptisms last week. But at the other campuses, they had baptisms last week. Why did they have baptisms? Because people over the last few months had put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Their lives had been transformed. Their lives had been changed. And they were making a public proclamation that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And in making that proclamation that I am a follower of Jesus Christ... We were fulfilling the Great Commission. Why? Because they were baptized, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Baptizing them. A, a, a way of making that public acknowledgement that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I would encourage you, if you are here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you have never been baptized, we would encourage you to come and be baptized. Why do we want you to do that? We want you to do that so that it's a pro public proclamation for all the people here to see. We want you to come and we want you to share your story. What is the story that Jesus, of how Jesus brought you to be a follower of him? And we want you to have, and we want you to have the, somebody that is close to you, somebody that is meaningful to you, do that baptism and lead and take you through that and others to witness and to celebrate with you. What is it? It's a great opportunity for you to invite friends to come and say, hey, this is what's happened in my life. A great opportunity to have others be aware of what has taken place in your life and to see other believers build up and encourage. So not only are we to, uh, while we are making disciples, not only are we to go, not only are we to baptize, but we are also, in order to make disciples, we must teach them. Let's work on this one for a second. We must teach them. For some of us, it's, they must be taught how to dress appropriately at church, right? Growing up, growing up um, church had a particular attire. That's how you dress to go to church, right? That's what I needed to learn. You needed to learn. If you were going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you needed to learn how to be dressed for church. Still blank because that's not what Matthew said. Um, in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you must learn dispensational theology. All right, how many of you are fans of dispensation, dispensationalism? Raise your hands. You are okay. Join with me. All right, be that. No, I'm just um, 
You must be a fan of your dispensational. You must learn great theological truths and you must know what they are. You must learn supra, infra, blah, 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 and infra, supra, lapsarianism and all that good stuff, right? You must know that. And you're like, what? Yeah, I learned that in Greek too. No, I'm joking. Um, we must learn great doctrine. Great doctrine is important. Great theology is important. Why? Because your doctrine and your theology determine how it is that you live. But Jesus made it much more simple. When he said to his disciples, um, teach, to make disciples, you must teach them to obey. How about that? To obey. How about that for an idea? Oh, you mean I don't have to dress? No, you don't have to dress that way. Oh, you mean I don't have to know all, I don't have to know all 10 of the commandments? No, no. I don't need to know the perfect order of create. No, you don't need to know the perfect order of creation. I don't need to know all the, no, you don't need to know all the prophets. You don't need to know all the kings. What you need to do is you need to know Jesus. You need to follow him. You need to obey him. And when I say that, it's not that any of that other is unimportant. I, I love the other. I love knowing that. But Jesus said, you must obey. Look what he says, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Do you know some of the things that they had been taught to obey were some of the things that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, had gotten on Jesus about? Remember he healed on a Sabbath and he told a man to pick up his mat and walk? And what were the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law worried about? They were worried about the fact that he had told them to carry his mat on the Sabbath. He was teaching them to work. That's too much. You can't do that on the Sabbath. Jesus can't be a prophet. Oh, but that was one of the laws that they were taught to obey. You see, it wasn't that. Jesus says, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus had summed up on the night that he was betrayed what it was that he was teaching, right? Why? Because he gets his disciples around him on that final night as they're all around him and they're leaning in and they're listening to what it is that he's saying and they're having this discussion. And he says, hey, uh, a new command I give you. And I, I don't know, this is the way my mind works, but I, but I try to think back to that time frame. And if you're a disciple and Jesus says, a new command I give you, you're thinking, all right, we have the Ten Commandments, so is this number 11? Do I put it on the end? Jesus, you're kind of important, so do we bump it into the middle? Where, where, where does this go? Or, or, or we, we have 600, there are 690, I think it's 93, 94 commands or something like that of rabbinical law that they were supposed to keep as good following Jews. Is it just number 695? Is that where it goes? Is that where, is that where this one goes? Where, where are we supposed to put it at? It's hard, to, it's hard to keep track of them. And Jesus says, no, 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 a new command I give you. And I want you to know this, that you love one another. And I wonder if just a short while later when Jesus was saying, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, if that command can still be summed up with just, what have I taught you? To love one another. What have I taught you about the law and Sabbath? You know what? You do good to somebody on the Sabbath. You know why you do good? Because it's always right to do good. You know what I'm teaching you about the law? If there is somebody that you can help, God, God, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? 
neither, but that the glory of God may be shown in his life. You see, what love requires of us is going out and showing love to those around us. And we don't always know what that may look like, but Jesus said, teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And maybe it just involves that act of showing love to the people that are around you. Sometimes it's showing love to the people that aren't exactly like us, right? I can't. No, no, no. Jesus said, obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the end of the age. As a church, as we open up and start this series called Open House, we want you to get a glimpse behind the scenes of what is it that makes Bridgewater work? What is it that we want to stay focused on? You see, sometimes our eyes can get off the, off the, off the mission right? We can have a great mission statement and sometimes we can get off track and we bump out of there and we miss it. And, and some of you, you've probably been part of churches before that have done that. You might, have a, you might have a story of, yes, I was part of a church that didn't see anybody coming to, we were, we were part of those numbers where it was three or less. And we don't want to go back to that. We don't want to be that. We want to stay on mission. We want to stay focused, making disciples. Why is, why is, our, why is our thrust, why is our motto more and better disciples, taken right from here, right? We want to be in the process of making more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we see the more just as the numbers and the better just as the people that are growing up, and that's why we do what it is that we do. But we believe that more and better disciples work together, and that guess what? As I become a better disciple, I am reaching to those people around me so that there will be more, so that more people will be brought up in the faith of Jesus Christ, so that more people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Why? So that as I become a better disciple, I will become better and better at obeying this idea of loving those that are around me. Why? Because I don't always do that real well. You know why I don't do it well? Because people are annoying, sometimes. Um, Any of you ever annoying? I'm certain I have never been annoying to anyone. I have friends here that will attest to that for me, right? Um, None of this. What's that? Um, Anyway, um, I'm just having fun with you. But what? You see, we need to work at that in our lives, in your life, in my life. Why? Because we're in the process of making more and better disciples. And as we go through this idea of a series called Open House, we want you to remember that God is working on growing your faith. And throughout these weeks, hopefully we get to take a look at some of the ways that God grows your faith. You know, there are ways that God grows your faith. Think about this. One of the ways God grows your faith is through practical teaching, right? For each one of you, somewhere in your life, there's been somebody that probably started making the Bible understandable to you. There were others who had taught it to you in your life, and you're like, I don't understand. I'm sure they're doing a good job, but I don't know. All right? But there was somebody along the lines that made it practical to you, and you heard it, and you understood, and you said, I don't know everything about that, Jesus, but I want to continue to listen. I want to continue to hear. It's true in anything. And just think of a class, your favorite class in school. It's probably why, because a teacher was there and made it practical to you. Um, another thing that we believe here um, is in providential relationships. Some of you, your story, your faith story will be a providential relationship. And then somebody came along and stepped into my life. Maybe it was a boyfriend. Maybe it was a girlfriend. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was, a, uh, maybe it was somebody else's parent. Maybe it was a friend that suddenly invited you to 
church like the Simmons family this morning, as we were told about, right? But God somehow worked a relationship in your life, and it started to draw you to him. Why? Because relationships build people, build them in their faith. Why do we want to do small groups? Because we believe that relationships are important. We want you to become part of the small group ministry here. Why? Because we believe that building that relationship will grow you as a follower of Jesus Christ more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. What do we also believe? We believe that, pivotal, um, that, there, are, that there are times where private disciplines. We believe in reading your Bible, praying, giving, right? What else do we believe here? We believe that serving personal ministry, the opportunity to serve, that will grow your faith in Jesus Christ. And then one more in there is pivotal circumstances where something happens in your life and for the first time in a long time you come back and you say, I want to hear about Jesus. That's what the open house is. Over the next few weeks, I want to encourage you to come back because we believe that your faith can be strengthened through the idea of seeing what it is that as a church that we are in the process of doing. And hopefully you can help us stay on mission. Let me close with this right here. Remember those numbers that I showed you at the beginning? Churches, 1993, 105, 104. Churches in 2003, what was it, down to 90. Churches 2016, down to 75. In 2005, uh, a young pastor by the name of Bob Katalisic went to a location down in Montrose, Pennsylvania. It was a church that was in the lower end of those numbers back at that time. Do you realize that through the ministry that is God has started to use and grow through Bridgewater Church, from that place there, they suddenly sprung out a few years later into a town called Halstead. Who in the world goes to Halstead? There you go. Sorry for those of you from Halstead, right? Where does Halstead go? They go to Conklin. I can insult us, right? Um, where does that go from there? It goes down to Tunkhannock and over into Vestal. And a church that was at the low end, less than 100 people averaged um, back just 15, 16 years ago. Now at all their different locations. Average is just slightly over 1,500. And we are happy. And we say, wow, that's awesome. And we say, that's great. And yet at the same time, 1,500. Look around our area. Are there still plenty of people that need to get into church? Are there still plenty of people that need to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? You see, our mission is to make more and better disciples, and there are still great opportunities to do that. I would encourage you, come, jump on board, join in with the church as they continue to push forward this mission of, being, of making more and better disciples for Jesus Christ. Pray with me, if you would. God, as we close our time this morning, I say thank you for each one that is here this morning. God, you've brought us together for such a time as this, you've brought us together as a body of believers and a body of individuals that are, may still be saying, I'm kicking the tires. I'm still wondering about this whole Christianity thing. But Lord, you've brought us together here at this time. And God, it doesn't mean that life is perfect and it doesn't mean that everything is going perfectly well. But God, it does mean that there is still room for each one of us to grow. It does mean that your mission is still the same to make 
disciples. And Lord, that we are to be in the process of going, that we are to be in the process of baptizing, that we are to be in the process of, of obeying, teaching to obey. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in this process. I pray that you would guide, that you would strengthen, that you would give hope to those that are down, that you would just encourage and lift up each individual that is here, Lord, that there is a hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and your mission is still there, and there are still people that are working to fulfill it in this world today, and Lord, you are calling us to come alongside and be a part of it. God, I ask that you would bless. I ask that you would encourage. And Lord, we say this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine through your church, through the power of our risen Lord and Savior. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to sing one last.